Welcome to Zichud Daf Simon Rambam Abraham Goldar, and today we're Mitzvahs Yevamas Daf Ein Test, the eighth parak Ha'aral. So the three Daf's we're going to focus on number one. The Gemara continues with the background to Dov's decree to prohibit Nisinim from marrying into the Kahal. In terms of addressing the two causes for the famine, David reasoned that since twelve months had passed after Shaul's death, it was no longer fit to eulogize him. Or she clarifies that although close to thirty years had passed, David was referencing the halach that after twelve months it's no longer appropriate to eulogize him. He then went to the Givoni to see if he could appease them, and they responded that they wanted David to give them seven of Shaul's sons to hang. David sought an alternative way to appease them, but they would not be appeased. David said, There are three simanim of this nation, referring to Bnei Israel, They're merciful, bashful, and do acts of kindness. Whoever is these three simanim is worthy to cleave to this nation through marriage. Rashi explains that since the Givonim lacked Rachamim, David decreed that they may not marry Jews. David did end up appeasing them through the hanging of seven of Shaul's sons. Pointing to the more questions whether it was David who decreed upon marrying the Nassim, as it seems that Moshe was the one who decreed upon them, for the Pasik states, from the choppers of your wood to the drawers of your water. Rashi explains that since the Nassim are not included in the term men of Israel or by convert in the Pasik, it must be that there are a separate group of slaves that are not permitted to marry Jews. Gemara answers that Moshe only decreed for that generation. The Gemara persists and says that Yeshua decreed against him for the Pasuk states, And Yeshua designated them on that day as woodchoppers and water drawers for the assembly and for the Mizbeach of Hashem. The Gemara answers that Yeshua decreed upon them during the time of the base of Migdash, whereas Dov decreed upon them even when the base of Migdash no longer stands. And point number three, in the next mission, Rabbi Kiva explained that a Swiss Adam performs chalitza and has chalitza performed for his wife, because he had a period of suitability. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Kiva maintains that a period of suitability is sufficient for the Pasuk states to establish a name for his brother. And a Swiss Adam, even though he was once suitable, is no longer fit for this. Rabbi replied that if having only a period of suitability does not create a need for chalitza. You'll never have a woman that is fit for yibum. But there's no widow whose husband did not become a Swiss chama for one moment prior to his death. The Gemara answers, There, it's merely a weakness that has begun for him, not actual sterility. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara continues with the background to David's decree to prohibit Nassim from marrying into the Kahal. In terms of addressing the two causes for the famine, David reasoned that since 12 months had passed after Shaul's death, it was no longer fit to eulogize him. Or she clarifies that although close to 30 years had passed, David was referencing the halakha that after 12 months, it's no longer appropriate to eulogize him. He then went to the Givoni to see if he could appease them, and they responded that they wanted David to give them seven of Shaul's sons to hang. David sought an alternative way to appease them, but they would not be appeased. David said, There are three simanim of this nation, referring to Bnei Israel. They're merciful, bashful, and do acts of kindness. Whoever is these three simanim is worthy to cleave to this nation through marriage. Rashi explains that since the Givonim lacked Rachamim, David decreed that they may not marry Jews. David did end up appeasing them through the hanging of seven of Shaul's sons. 
Pointing to the Gemara questions whether it was David who decreed upon marrying the Nassim, as it seems that Moshe was the one who decreed upon them. For the Pasik states, from the choppers of your wood to the drawers of your water. Rush explains that since the Nassim are not included in the term men of Israel or by convert in the Pasik, it must be that there are a separate group of slaves that are not permitted to marry Jews. Gemara answers that Moshe only decreed for that generation. The Gemara persists and says that Yeshua decreed against them for the Pasuk states, And Yeshua designated them on that day as woodchoppers and water drawers for the assembly and for the Mizbeach of Hashem. The Gemara answers that Yeshua decreed upon them during the time of the base of Migdash, whereas David decreed upon them even when the base of Migdash no longer stands. And pointing with me in the next Mishnah, Rabbi Kiva explained that a Swiss Adam performs Chalitza and has Chalitza performed for his wife, because he had a period of suitability. The Gemara asks why Rabbi Kiva maintains that a period of suitability is sufficient for the Pasuk states to establish a name for his brother. And a Swiss Adam, even though he was once suitable, is no longer fit for this. Rabbi replied that if having only a period of suitability does not create a need for chalitza. You'll never have a woman that is fit for yibum. But there's no widow whose husband did not become a suishchama for one moment prior to his death. The Gemara answers, There, it's merely a weakness that has begun for him, not actual sterility. All right, so now we go to our simadaf ein test, and our standard simon is a pen, and we often use a scribe with a quill. So here goes. The angry scribe who lacked the merciful, bashful, and kind traits of a Jew and threw his quills at seven hanging corpses had torn up multiple decrees that were made against his people when he overheard someone call his father a Srishama moments before his death. Once again, it's emotion. The angry scribe, scribe, that must be more duff. Ein Tess. The angry scribe who lacked the merciful, bashful, and kind traits of a Jew and threw his quills at seven hanging corpses, which reminds us, the more explains that David decreed against the Nassim when he sought to appease them, and they said they wanted him to give them seven of Shaul's sons to hang. David sought an alternative way to appease them, but they would not be appeased. David said, There are three simanim of this nation, referring to Bnei Yisrael, harachamanim, baishonim, begom lechosadim. With a merciful, bashful, and do acts of kindness, whoever has these three simanim is worthy to cleave to this nation through marriage. Rashi explains that since the Givonim lacked Rachamim, David decreed that they may not marry Jews. So the angry scribe who lacked the merciful, bashful, and kind traits of a Jew, and threw his quills at seven hanging corpses, had torn up multiple decrees that were made against his people, which reminds us there were multiple decrees against the Nassim. Moshe decreed for that generation, Yeshua decreed while the temple stood, and David decreed against him for even after the destruction of the base of Migdash. So the angry scribe who lacked the merciful, bashful, and kind traits of a Jew, and threw his quills at seven hanging corpses, had torn up multiple decrees that were made against his people, when he overheard someone call his father Asris Chama moments before his death, which reminds us, Rav said that if only having a Shasa Kosher, a period of suitability, does not create a need for Chalitza, You'll never have a woman that is fit for Yibum. For there's no widow whose husband did not become a Suzchama for one moment prior to his death. The more answer is that there it's merely a weakness that has begun for him, not actual sterility. So once again, the angry scribe who lacked the merciful, bashful, and kind traits of a Jew and threw his quills at seven hanging corpses had torn up multiple decrees that were made against his people when he overheard someone call his father a Suzchama moments before his death. All right, now it's time for four blabak hazar. Daf ein hey. So the simmer daf ein hey is an ama arts. So here goes the ama arts. Ama arts. That must be more than daf ein hey. 
The Amaars who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tommy Kohanim, who had tumbled earlier, were now eating their truma, which reminds us, the Gemara asks why three psukim are needed regarding the purification to eat truma, and answers that all three are required to teach that there must be a tefillah, the person must wait until our Shemesh, until the sun sets, and then he can be a bar kapara and still eat after the sun sets, and doesn't need to wait until he brings a carbon. So the Amaars who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tommy Kohanim, who had tumbled earlier, were now eating their truma, passed through the ward filled with different types of Batsui Daka, which reminds us, the Gemara lists what conditions qualify someone as a Batsui Daka. So the Amaars who arrived at the hospital just after sunset, when Tamiko Hanim, who had told earlier, were now eating their truma, passed through the ward filled with different types of Batsui Daka, and was so proud he brought a box of tissues for his friend, who was a Krushafcha, to help wipe the mucus spilling from his nose. Which reminds us, the Gemara from where is it known that a cruise shavcha, someone with a severed shavcha, refers to the male organ and answers that the Pasuk says cruise shavcha, which indicates Misha Ayide Krisa Shofech, that it refers to an organ that spills as a result of the severing, whereas prior to severing it was not spilling but was Mikaleach, it was spouting. This excludes the nose where both before and after the severing it spills its mucus. Ein Vav. So the Simadav Ein Vav is an IV tube, an intravenous tube. So here goes. The Batsua Dakakon who married the Gior's nurse, who always hooked up his IV, IV, that must be run off Ein Vav, intravenous tube. The Batsua Dakakon who married the Gior's nurse, who always hooked up his IV, which reminds us, Roshashis was asked, Batsua Dakakon Mahu Bigior's Mushukhreras. Regarding a Batsua Dakakon, what is the law regarding marrying a Gior's or Mushukhreras? Do we say that he remains in his Kahuna level of Kadusha and is forbidden to her, or does he not remain in that level and is permitted to her? He answered that if Batsua Daka Yisrael is permitted to marry a Nasina, then a Batsua Dakakon does not remain in his level of Kadusha and may marry a Gior's or a freed slave woman. So the Batsua Dakakon who married the Gior's a nurse, who always hooked up his IV, hallucinate that he had a son named Peretz, dressed up in oversized battle armor. Which reminds us, when David went out to fight Galios, Shaul wanted to know if David descended from Peretz or Zerach. If he descends from Peretz, he will be a king. Shalmelch Poretz lasos Zerach, for a king may break through Poretz, other people's fences, to make a path for himself and no one can protest against him. If he descends from Zerach, Hashiva Ba'amahavi, he will be merely Hashiv. The reason Shaul asked about him is that Shaul saw that when he gave David his battle garments, they fit David, even though Shaul was taller than everyone. Since his garments fit David miraculously, Shaul asked if he was destined for Malchus. So the Batsua Dakakon who married the Gior's nurse, who always hooked up his IV, hallucinated that he had a son named Peretz, dressed up in oversized battle armor, who'd go out and greet travelers, with bread and water, which reminds us, the Gemara relates that Doaka Domi said to Shaul, before he asked whether David is fit for Malchus or not, ask whether he's fit to marry into the Kahal, because he comes from Rus, who was a Moabi. When Avner responded that it was taught Amoni below Amonis, Moabi below Moabis, the Torah only prohibits the males and not the females of Ammon and Moab, Doa counted that when the Pasuk says Mamzer, does it not refer to a Mamzeris as well? And the Pasuk says Mitzri, does it not also refer to a Mitzris? Avner responded that it is different in the case of an Ammoni and Moabi, since the Torah explicitly said the reason is because they did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Mitzrayim. It's the way for men to greet travelers with bread and water, but not for women to do so. Doeg continues to challenge Avner, and on the next daf, the issue is resolved. Daf Ein Zayn. So the summer Daf Ein Zayn is a goat. So here goes. The man whose sword was tied to his goat's back. Goat? That must be more on Daf Ein Zayn. A's. The man whose sword was tied to his goat's back 
to be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition, which reminds us, continuing the account of Dog's challenges of David's yichus, the Gemara reconciles contradictory psukim wherein one pasuk, Amasa, was married to David's sister is referred to as the son of Yisra HaYisraeli, and another pasuk his father is referred to as Yisra HaYishmaeli. Rav explained that when Dog wanted to disqualify David, Shechigar Charbo Ki Yishmael, that Yisra girded his sword like Yishmaeli and said, Whoever does not accept the halacha shall be impaled by the sword. For I have received a tradition from the base of Nishmo that the Torah prohibits Amoni Velo Amonis Moavi Velo Moavis. And therefore David is permitted to marry into the Kahal. So the man whose sword was tied to his goat's back to be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition decided to use it to cut two Moavi and Amoni yoke straps off the goat's neck. Which reminds us, Rav expanded, what's the meaning of that which is written, Patakhtu Moserai, you've released my yoke straps. David said to Kishbaruch Rebon Shalom, Shnei Moserai Shehil Alai Pitaktem, the two straps were upon me, you have released, Rus HaMoaviah and Naam HaAmonis. Namu is the wife of David's son Shlomo and the mother of his grandson Rechavam. Therefore, there were two yoke straps who were potentially harmful to the yichos of David's malchus, Rus from Moab and Naama from Amon. Now that the luck has been resolved, permitting female converts from these nations to marry into the Kahal, Kodesh Baruch released David from these yoke straps. So the man whose sword was tied to his goat's back to be used against those who did not accept his halachic tradition decided to use it to cut two Moavi and Ammoni yoke straps off the goat's neck and give the goat as a gift to the daughter of an Ammoni ger and a Yisraelis who was about to marry a Kohen. Which reminds us, we have Malchus Reyokhan Reishlakish, whether the daughter of an Ammoni ger and a Yisraelis is fit for the Kohuna. Dafayin Ches. So the symbol Dafayin Ches is a child going ach. So here goes. The third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went, Och, child going, Och, that must be on Daf Ein Ches. The third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went, Och, that it took so long for him to be permitted into the Kahal, which reminds us, the Pasu regarding Mitzri and Edomi convert states, Sons who are born to them in the third generation may enter into the Kahal of Hashem. A price of questions if sons are mentioned, why are generations mentioned, and vice versa. And answers if sons were stated and generations were not stated, I would have said Ben Rishon Mutter that the first and second son are Asa, but the third son is Mutter. Therefore, the pasuk says Doros generations. And if generations were stated and sons were not stated, I would have said Osana Omdi Sinai. The Torah is referring to those standing at Har Sinai. So the third generation son of Mitzri Gerim who went Uch that took so long for him to be permitted into the Kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman who converted since it didn't even require its own tevila, which reminds us, which reminds us that if Rabbi Yochan does not say Uberkiyarchimo, that a fetus is considered like the thigh of its mother, how does it sit with Rabbi who said, If a pregnant Gentile woman converted, her child does not require immersion. The child is not considered the thigh of its mother, but rather it's a separate entity. Why does the child not require its own tevila? So the third generation son of Mitzri Gerim, who went, ugh, that it took so long for him to be permitted into the kahal, was jealous of the fetus of the pregnant Gentile woman, who converted since it didn't even require its own tevila, and went, ugh, again when the famine in the land entered its third year. Which reminds us, the Gemara relates David's efforts to determine what was the cause of a famine that ended up lasting three years. Eventually, asked the Urim Vitumim, and Hashem replied that the famine is for Shaul in that they did not eulogize Shaul properly, and also for Shaul's sin that he killed the Givonim. The Gemara clarifies that since Shaul massacred the inhabitants of Nov, the city of Kohanim, who supplied the Givonim with water and food, the Pasuk regards it as though Shaul killed them. All right, so that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.